Welcome to the Bounty Zero X podcast. I'm your host, Angelo Adam, founder and CEO of Bounty Zero X. Bounty Zero X is a decentralized bounty hunting network powered by the BNTY token. Today is August 22nd, 2019, and my guest on the show is Ada Xiao. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Ada. Thank you for coming on. Thank you very much for having me here. So tell me about your role at Platon. What exactly do you do, and uh, what is your title? So I'm the uh, CSO, which stands for the Chief Strategic Officer of Platon. And, well, sort of like in charge of a lot of things. For example, like it goes from, you know, all the legal entity and legal work and then to um, business expansion in, um, you know, overseas in other countries. So I'm more so like in charge of the overseas area and hence we are, you know, having this conversation. <laughs> Great. So before starting Platon, tell me a little bit about your professional experience and educational background. Okay. So, uh it's kind of interesting how I got into this industry. I was from a purely finance background. I did my um, BA in Cambridge with, uh, you know, economics degree. And then I was working in Hong Kong as well as in New York in like completely just uh, finance firms. And then I did my MBA in Columbia in New York. And it was like a great time. I, uh, I met a lot of very interesting people. And that was in 2013 when I, you know, graduated from my MBA. And at that time, you know, in on Wall Street, they actually have like a buzzword, which is called fintech. And that's when I got very interested in, you know, like this um, new technology and how you can change uh, how, you know, the finance world actually functions. And I looked into um, P2P lending and crowdfunding as well as Internet um, insurance. I actually work in one of those Internet insurance firms in China. And then um, eventually I landed a job in a venture capital. And it was in, um, sort of investing in blockchain products in China. And uh, that's how I got into this industry. And, uh, and I came across this very amazing project called Platon. And it's um, dedicated to solve, you know, the privacy issues that decentralized network is facing right now. So I, I thought it was quite intriguing. And that's when I decided that I want to join this project and how, see how it pans out. Yeah, so... Uh, what year was that when you joined? Uh, was it around 2018 or before? Or how long ago was that? It's actually earlier than 2018. It was back in, I think it was like end of 2016. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was like almost like three years ago, actually more than three years ago. So uh, Platon is a blockchain-based infrastructure for privacy computation and distributed economies. So that is kind of a, a complex uh, and, uh, uh, I guess, a complicated description of what your guys, your your product, and what you work on. So, how would you describe that in, uh, I guess, more uh, simple and uh, straightforward terms? So, tell me what you guys work on uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. Right, absolutely. Um, I guess like, I want to start uh, with explaining you know, the two most eminent problems that we think today's decentralized network, um, i.e. blockchain, is actually facing. Uh, one would be the scalability issues. And um, as I know, there are a lot of projects out there who are trying to uh, solve this problem in like different ways, different approaches. And then the second one would be privacy problem. And so basically what Platon is trying to do, Platon is focusing on solving the privacy issue. 
and with, uh, you know, we are adopting various cryptographic algorithms. So basically encryption and decryption and, um, you know, like uh, algorithms which can make sure that we, uh, we can make sure that data is well encrypted before it's shared or used for any collaborative computations. And all the encryption will happen off-chain, and then the um, desired outcome will actually record it on-chain to ensure its authenticity. And that's our approach to the privacy um, problem. And as for the scalability problem, we are, we are also trying to solve that because we have, um, you know, like commercial clients who are worried about um, the efficiency of using a decentralized network. And the, the approach that we adopt was um, this mechanism, this um, technology called verifiable computation. And uh, what it stands for is that, um, you know, like the traditional ways, if you want to reach a consensus in a decentralized network, basically it required all the nodes to run the same computation repetitively. So that slowed down the whole process. However, with the verifiable computation, only one or a few selected nodes will be running the computation, and then a short proof will be generated. All the other nodes will only uh, need to verify this short proof to reach a consensus, though that greatly, you know, enhance the performance and the time that's required to do the entire calculation. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not sure if I explain it in, you know, like, um, easy to yeah. understand. Yeah, that's very helpful. Thank you. So just okay. to go back and uh, just review some of the things you mentioned. So there's the, uh, the scalability issue and the privacy issue. So just taking first the privacy issue. Um, mm -hmm. For example, there are some of the main blockchains that are uh, the most well-known blockchains today, like Bitcoin and Ethereum. All of the transactions are public so that you can go to Blockchain Explorer for Ethereum and you can view all of uh, the transactions that are included in each block. Um, mm -hmm. And likewise with Bitcoin, you can see all the transactions, who it was sent from and who it was uh, sent to, uh, the amount that was sent, the amount of Bitcoins in each transaction in each block. Um, and then there are other blockchains, like for example uh, Zcash, and uh, the, which is one of the other popular blockchains. But it is uh, known as being private, where all of the transactions are encrypted, uh, with I think like a zero knowledge proof, where um, you can view the blockchain explorer, but none of the transactions are visible to uh, third parties. So what you're saying is that the Python blockchain is more like Zcash in that. Uh, only transactions, uh, only the transactions are, all the transactions are private except for those uh, entities which have the cryptographic, uh, I guess, proof required to uh, view any of the given transactions. Right. Um, I guess like we're kind of similar, but a little bit different. I guess um, the, um, the whole privacy issue is quite a you know, like a big topic. And there are different ways to ensure, you know, part of the, uh, the privacy is not exposed when it, it should not be. And for Zcash, we're also uh, working on something that's uh, sort of kind of similar to zero, uh, zero knowledge proof. And that's, uh, I think that's dedicated to make sure that the transaction, um, you know, like uh, will remain anonymous and then the whole transaction will not be exposed on chain. So that's basically uh, trying to make sure that the privacy of the transaction is well protected. And that's one thing we are also doing right now as well. And we're working with some financial firms who really care about not exposing their transactions while collaborating with other firms. And then there's like another thing that we're working on right now, which is um, not exactly the same as zero knowledge proof. It's called multi-party computation. And that's basically a very big concept. Um, what it meant is that 
we have multiple parties and multiple, you know, like organizations, and we want to collaborate and we want to compute one outcome using all our data. And then the outcome will be beneficial for all of us, but then no, not a single one of us want to review our original data. Uh, with the, um, you know, the traditional centralized uh, way, it's actually kind of hard because you have to trust the third party, the centralized third party, and usually it's not exactly very trustworthy. So that um, I think it was back in 90, 1980s, uh, a professor came out and then proposed this concept of multi-party computation. And uh, it's trying to achieve a state where, um, you know, like all data can be encrypted before it's shared or used for any collaboration so that only the outcome is, is uh, revealed to all of us and we can make sure our data is never leaked and but then still get the final outcome that we all desire. And uh, to actually achieve that, there are uh, multiple different schools of thoughts and uh, different techniques, including garbled circuit, secret sharing, homomorphic encryption, et cetera, et cetera. And that's, those are like different um, cryptographic algorithms and we are working on those as well. And that's to share, so that's to basically solve the problem with data collaboration and data sharing. A lot of, you know, the organizations, they want to monetize the data, individuals, they want to monetize their data, but they don't want to do that because the fear of uh, no leaking sensitive and, um, you know, uh, uh, credentials and those informations, et cetera. So yes. The, um, yeah, there's a clear business case for, uh, you know, privacy and in, in, uh, in blockchains. And, um, uh, you know, as you mentioned, banks and other financial services uh, have a requirement that in order to use this technology uh, you know, and to transfer funds from various parties and for other financial related use cases, they need to have uh, the ability for uh, uh, transactions and data to be shared privately and cryptographically secure in a secure manner. Um, so uh, so I want to move on to um, the, uh, the scalability issue because you mentioned there were two things, the privacy thing and then the scalability thing. So with, with scalability, uh, there seems to always be this trade-off between decentralization, so in a case where all of the nodes in the network process all of the transaction for any given block, and then on the other hand, uh, centralization and the ability to increase the number of transactions uh, per section, per, per uh, block or per second. And so you have some of these other blockchains which are uh, processing, uh, you know, more than Ethereum's uh, like 20, trans 20 transactions per second, but at the cost of decreased uh, efficiency and decreased uh, uh, decentralization. So there's there seems to be this trade-off. And so what, uh, for example, uh, Ethereum is working on in their Ethereum 2.0 is this concept of sharding transactions uh, so that not all of the uh, transactions that occur in each block are processed by all each miner or each uh, staker. Um, so, but it seems like the um, the consensus mechanism and the way that you have structured the network is such that not all of the nodes uh, need to uh, process all the transactions. So you're able to achieve a higher transaction volume. Um, so what are, what is currently the number of transactions that you're able to process? Uh, per second, or what are some of the uh, the performance uh, metrics of the of the current version of your testnet? Mm -hmm. Right. Um. So, I guess like it really depends on the scenarios and use cases. 
and as I've mentioned that we we have like some clients like uh, enterprise clients in like financial industries and healthcare industries and they have their own uh, use case where we have to design and customize the solution for them and um, some of them they have like very complicated algorithms and uh, formulas that we have to take into account and some of them they just have like so many notes and so many parties to participate in one um, calculation so I guess like for at least for my understanding, uh, for an enterprise solution, if we were only looking at the TPS, then it really varies. It depends on how complicated your, you know, like the whole structure and the business flow is. And then it depends on, uh, you know, the real use case and then the, 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 the real life scenarios and how much data you're trying to process, you know, within a specific frame of period of time. So that that kind of varies because if you have like only two nodes and then the calculation is very simple, then it's the TPS will go really high. Whereas compared to you have a hundred nodes and then with quite complicated um, formula, then it's probably going to go down uh, quite a lot. But then as for our testnet, so we actually have already launched our testnet in January this year. So it's more than half a year ago. And uh, we welcome, I you know, like everyone to come and test it out and just to give us any feedbacks because we're trying to perfect it so it can smooth back, smooth into our main nets. Um, uh, right now, the approximations that the TPS can go to like three to 5,000 per second. That's uh, our, basically in the testing environment. Okay, great. So three to 5,000 per second is pretty high, even in a testing environment. So the way that you just described uh, the, way that, uh, the, the way that the blockchain would be structured is that it would be customized to the specific business use case that the client needs. And so part of the services that you offer are consulting services to businesses to be able to uh, kind of have like a, a, a be able to build out their infrastructure for uh, whether it's IOT or whether it's whatever the business case is to build out this type of uh, data infrastructure using blockchain using your uh, blockchain technology but then customizing it to the specific uh, use case so so that's a little bit different than other blockchains like for example ethereum or some of these other blockchains that are out there where they just have like a general framework that can be used by anyone um, for one specific task, but they don't really create like a unique or a custom blockchain solution for e each company. So how do you just, that's kind of just a question overall for the industry. Um, where, where, where do you see it developing? Because it kind of seems like, you know, each business or each uh, use case will um, have to adopt a, a specific type of blockchain or decentralized ledger technology that really serves what their uh, requirements are and so it will kind of depend there won't be just one there wouldn't be just one blockchain that serves all these different types of industries and all of these different types of use cases but rather just custom blockchain solutions and it seems like you're uh, positioning yourself in that ecosystem as a way to uh, you know uh, help set up and help customize these uh, types of uh, blockchain or business use cases in, in each of those cases. Right. Um, I mean, I, I don't really want to speculate about what's going to happen in the future, but then it's just my my belief and what, from what I've seen, especially with, um, you know, talking to the industry clients, I think uh, blockchain is definitely great. It's a whole concept. And I, I truly believe that, um, you know, like public chain is, is definitely because uh, the new... Uh, 
you know, like sort of the, it's reconstruct the way that people actually work with each other and it make it possible for people who don't really know each other to reach a consensus and, you know, do businesses and transaction, et cetera, et cetera. And so a lot of, you know, financial firms like, such as like Goldman Sachs and those on Wall Street, they are very interested in this technology for a reason. Um, because we see like, especially, you know, today we have like, exponentially growing numbers of uh, smart devices and they are generating more and more data each day. And the communication between, you know, um, the devices and then the whole uh, network as expands would be in a decentralized fashion. Centralized uh, mechanism would not be as effective as a decentralized one. However, uh, from a very practical point of view, what we see is that the clients, especially from you no know, more sort of like heavily regulated and traditional industries, they are still they're trying to experiment with new technologies. But the, but then we have to give them some times. They are experimenting in you know w within their comfort zone right now. But that's something we have to do. It's like we're educating the market and uh, maybe gradually uh, as the technology become more mature and we have like better technologies to protect the privacy that once you put your data and transaction onto a public chain then at least i want to know that it's safe then uh, i mean like I, I hope and i believe that we can see more and more adoption and eventually we can see mass adoption of blockchain in all industries so uh I want to move to some of the uh, other projects and companies that you have worked with in the cryptocurrency space. So you've worked, for example, with RealID on their eKYC solution. Uh, mm -hmm. You've worked with IrisNet on privacy-preserving computation services. Uh, mm -hmm. You've worked with HashCorp, uh, Keystore. Uh, you also have partnerships with um, Wanqing, uh, AITOS, AITOS so for their blockchain of things solutions on cellular de cellular devices. Uh, you've also worked with Meet One, which is an EOS-based project on uh, producing nodes for financial service platform uh, on a financial service platform for cryptocurrencies. Um, so it seems like since you are you're still on testnet, but you still have developed partnerships and. Uh, worked with a number of companies in the cryptocurrency space. What is your strategy with um, onboarding new partners and clients? And how do you, uh, from your perspective, how do you, um, you know, build trust in the cryptocurrency industry? And, and what type of partnerships are you looking for, for potential clients uh, for your company? Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, most of the um, the partners that you mentioned that we're working with right now, we are trying to build and provide you know off-chain privacy-preserving um, services for them. So we can work with other public chains, no problem, because uh, the strength and our main focus is at you know off-chain crypto uh, cryptography uh, uh, algorithms that we use for privacy-preserving, um, you know, like um, for for just pre preserving the privacy of the data and informations and so on and so forth. So we did actually have a lot of um, partners even before the launch of our mainnet because we do have, you know, um, kind of like more mature sort of like solutions to, you know, tailor to their needs to protect um, privacy on their own networks. So that's what we're working with them right now. And, as for you know, like the bigger projects that we're working with, 
uh, I guess like the uh, the smart city in Hangzhou, and we're working with Wanxiang on that. It's one of the um, biggest projects we're working on right now because we're building the infrastructure for them. We're using our own uh, blockchain as the backbone that the city is going to be built up on. Um, um, I guess like. It's really hard to say which industry we're focusing on because we're working with um, you know, the financial industry and healthcare industry and logistic as well, because those industries have a lot of data. They have gigantic amount of data. However, they are very heavily regulated and they care about their privacy a lot. So they are looking for solutions to better collaborate in the decentralized fashion, but however, uh, can protect their the privacy of their sensitive data. So I guess that's kind of the profile of the clients that we are looking for and that's really need our technology solve their pain points at, at least like for now. Hmm. So um, let's talk about a, a very specific type of use case for IoT uh, decentralized ledger uh, services. So um, You've mentioned uh, how a smart city can uh, can use IoT and decentralized uh, ledger technology in their in their city. Um, so, for example, uh, an IoT enabled trash can in a public park where uh, a trash can will send notification to the parks department once it's almost full. A garbage can will then be de dispatched to empty it. Um, and then the trash sends another automated notification to the parks department when it's empty, and then the waste management company receives instant payment for its service. So that's kind of like a simple example. But what are some of the other demands uh, that cities, or these so-called smart cities, like uh, that you mentioned, Hanjo, when they come to you and say, "Okay, we want to adopt this decentralized technology. How can it help us in a practical sense? And what type of use cases can we use it for in our city?" For uh, data management solutions. So what are, can you talk a little bit about some of the specific use cases that you're seeing people use this technology for? Right, absolutely. Um, let me just give you like a few examples. The first one that we're working on right now and we really see the um, potential in, in it is uh, to train um, autopilot for electric vehicles. So for the smart city in Hangzhou, it's basically the, um, the investor in the smart city. They are a uh, car manufacturer, auto, auto part manufacturer in China, and they have also acquired you know, lithium battery manufacturers for you know greener energies and to um, you know fill their electric vehicles. And so um, there are two things that we're going to use the blockchain for. Um, the one thing is to manage you know the entire life cycle of a lithium battery. Um, as you know, uh, the lithium battery can be used for cars first, but then once it's retired, it still have energy left in it. So we can track the, the whole um, life cycle of the battery and so that we can make sure that we know when we can replace that battery and use it for uh, you know, some scenarios which require less energy and less power so that we don't waste any energy, um, so to speak. And that's one scenario. And the second scenario would be um, the autopilot training that I was talking about. So, um, you know, like for Tesla and a lot of the VV, EV, EV companies, they're trying to train the autopilot so that, uh, you know, driverless uh, cars can be actually be uh, mass pr produced and for our daily life. And so, but then, however, um, all the algorithms need to be trained by, you know, like massive amount of data, just make sure that uh, it doesn't have any error and cause any casualty. Uh, so um, we will be collecting a lot of data from, you know, like 
driving behaviors in the city, and so that we can use those data, uh, the historical data, to actually better train the auto driver, uh, the auto driving algorithms. And of course, a lot of people will be concerned about the privacy issues, like, oh, you are tracking my driving behaviors and you're recording all the data on a blockchain. And that's why we really need this privacy preserving technology to make sure that, okay, we are managing your data uh, to better serve you, but then we promise that we're gonna not going to do that at the cost of anyone's privacy. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense for the uh, usage, for the usage of tra training AI data models uh, for and also for uh, electric uh, lithium batteries so that once they're retired out of service, the remaining energy in the battery can be used for uh, other uh, use cases. And you're, so you're using the decentralized ledger technology to tie uh, the history of the battery to the blockchain so that you can then uh, manage all of these batteries that are being produced and um, you know managing their life cycle from once they're created to when they go into service to when they go out of service to the one that they're within uh, retired from service and used for another uh, purpose and then tracking, uh, you know, each individual, uh, uh, I guess, ID for each battery. Um, so now let's uh, move on to uh, briefly talk about the future for Platon. So you guys are currently have successfully launched the test version of the MVP uh, in 2018, Q4 2018. Uh, you're planning on launching the mainnet live network in uh, the next few months uh, by the end of 2019. Uh, so tell me a little about some of the upcoming uh, specific uh, uh, goals that you have and milestones that you're working on completing in the next uh, uh, 8 to 12 months. Okay. Um, I guess like um, at right now, um, the most important I would say would be the launch of a mainnet. So our team in Shenzhen and in Hangzhou, they are working day and night to make sure that it will be stable once it's launched. So stability is actually very important to us. We're, we're trying to make sure that um, it can be stable once we launch it. And uh, once people are using it, it's not gonna just you know go down or not usable at all. And um, I guess they, that will happen by the end of this year. And we will continue to update and launch the um, the functions, including like multi-party computations and verifiable computations. We will be updating those, upgrading those throughout the next year in 2020. And hopefully by the end of next year or the early um, 2021, we will, be, we will have launched a customized hardware, which um, will be, you know, basically supporting the uh, multi-party computations and all those um, algorithms that we are providing right now uh, through a hardware to make sure that we can achieve higher performance. Great, that sounds good. Um, and so will you also be launching a, uh, a bug bounty or any type of beta testing program? Because currently you're also running a social media bounty, which uh, you're rewarding users uh, who want to take part in your community by uh, talking about your product or writing articles about your product or tweeting or following or retweeting about it. Uh, so how, how, what is your plan for community growth and helping to raise awareness about your product and services over the next uh, six to 12 months? Uh, do you guys, can you talk a little about the bug bounty that you're planning uh, and any type of like uh, community growth uh, techniques that you're 
that you have on your roadmap? Right, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so since it's getting close to the date of the launch of our mainnet, we'll be releasing and we have already playing, planned in our pipeline, we'll be having a test program the beta test program on our um, test net and mainnet, and we'll also be launching bug bandings as well on the mainnet. And so uh, I guess our IT team, our tech team is working uh, very hard on, you know, like designing, uh, including like when we are launching that and what kind of bounty we're offering right now. And I know that you might be wondering about more details, but then I guess we will release more details closer to the dates. And as for the incentive mechanism, we, as a foundation of Playton, we do have a incentive fund for you know, the developers who contribute and, uh, you know, like in any way, whether it's developers or researchers, etc., uh, to the network and to you know the Playton ecosystem. And we will also be launching a eco fund where we will be investing in you know projects who building basically building around the Playton network. Uh, all those details will be released, um, you know, like soon on our website, and I will definitely keep you updated with all the um, the progress and everything. And uh, as I would say, I would have to emphasize that community is definitely something that we care a lot. It's our priority, and since we are an open source project, and of course the community and the activities and everything, an active community is what makes it successful. So we will be. I know that we, we haven't come out a lot and be publicizing about ourselves, but we, that's something that we're working on um, for now on. And we'll, we'll make sure that we have more news and more good news that we can bring to the community. Oh, great. So I think that's a good place to end it. Uh, it was a pleasure having you on and learning about your product. And we look forward to uh, hearing uh, more news when in the future as uh, the product develops. And uh, we'd love to have you back on for a, another interview. Uh, when after when you have your next milestone to announce and uh, it was a pleasure talking to you so uh, we can just uh, leave it there uh, my guest on the show is Ada Xiao uh, CSO of Playton uh, thanks for coming on thank you very much for having me here thanks Thanks for listening to another episode of the Bounty Zero X podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast below. Check out BountyZeroX.io, the number one bounty hunting platform where you can complete work and earn cryptocurrency. Please consult your professional financial investment and tax advisors before making any investment in initial coin offerings. Bounty Zero X does not provide investment or financial advice and does not endorse or recommend investment in any ICOs advertised on the Bounty Zero X podcast or website.